Juan Carlos loves us. I'm Kimberly Adams, and welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. I'm Kai Rizdahl. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday. Yes, we are going to talk about the news and then end with some Make Me Smiles. Shall we get started with the news fix, which I guess I'll go first with the obvious news, which is not a Make Me Smile, but uh, the passing of Queen Elizabeth today is obviously the big news story. And man, what that woman has seen and, you know, I guess ruled over Mm -hmm. in her life, longest reigning I know definitely British monarch, but I think one of the longest reigning monarchs in the world. That One of. I don't believe the longest, but certainly top like three or something globally ever. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I was thinking about this today and just sort of she oversaw pretty much the decline of the British Empire Mm -hmm. and like the entire, you know, opulent wealth of that family that came from these very sort of extractive relationships with the colonies. And, you know, watching the royal family kind of shrink and shrink and shrink and its influence over her lifetime must have been something to sort of adjust to these new realities. And she was so, Mm -hmm. you know, dedicated to that role and being the face and the symbol that people needed while trying to sort of balance the weird separation they have over there between sort of the Mm -hmm. government and the monarchy. Um, But what's been very interesting for me to observe today is the very complicated and sometimes very disrespectful uh, response and and way of acknowledging this news from different segments of Twitter, Black Twitter and Irish Twitter in particular, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, have been quite vocal But, you know, there's a lot, billions of people all over the world who do not look kindly upon the British monarchy for some really violent, horrible, and economically extractive histories. And I think that it's worth, you know, bearing that in mind when viewing some of these reactions. And, you know, I was looking Mm -hmm. at the BBC posted this video of, like, Queen Elizabeth's relationship with Africa, and it just glossed over so much stuff mm-hmm. and, you know, pointed mm-hmm. out the human rights abuses in, in some of these African countries without acknowledging the human rights abuses of the British Empire. And it's hard to ever really know how much role directly the British monarchy had in these policies, but you can't really separate their wealth and their power from that empire and the way it was set up. And um, Mm -hmm. there was a really good Twitter thread by Professor Melissa Murray, which we'll link to on the show Mm -hmm. page. And she's at NYU Law. And she has a really thoughtful um, explanation of sort of how some of these former colonies of Britain are reacting to it. So that's that's my take on the news of the day. I think about that two things. Number one, the British monarchy via the British empire was extractive, right? I mean, it just was. Mm -hmm. It extracted wealth from the colonies. The 13 Mm -hmm. over here, but all over the place globally for centuries. So that has to be said out loud. The other thing you have to say is it's not just historic racism institutionally by the British empire. It goes straight to the family. And I direct you no farther than Meghan Markle. Oh, right, yeah, that was awful. and her experiences with that family. So it it exists to this day, and the idea that William, 
who's now number two, or number one in line, actually, uh, mm-hmm. said uh, very close to these words, we're not a racist family, after that interview that Harry and Meghan did with Oprah, um, I, you know, it, it's it's right there now, today, present. I think you just have to, yeah. you just have to understand that. That's really important. And, and, and that takes can... not a thing away from, go ahead, sorry. No, I was, I think you were going to say what I was going to say. <laughs> Right. You, you have to somehow separate out the dedication, the longevity, the service, the duty, the obligation that the woman herself felt versus the institution, I think. you know. Well, and, you know, the role that she played in sort of holding up the institution as well. But you can hold mm-hmm. – I think we can hold all those things. You can feel very sorry for the family and their loss. You can acknowledge that this is a woman who was a – product of her times while also acknowledging that this is not this beautiful, glossy history that we're going to see right. celebrated in all the pomp and circumstance in the coming days. So. Right. Of, of which there will be much the next 10 days or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. That was a good conversation. Um, I'm going to be much more mundane and straight ahead, and I'm going to go to my go-to, which is Jay Powell. And I just want to make sure that everybody hears this loud and clear. The Federal Reserve meets uh, in like, uh, I don't know, two weeks. They're about to enter what's known as their quiet period where the Board of Governors and the members of the Federal Upper Market Committee don't make any public remarks so as not to spook the markets or give them any hint as to which way interest rates are going to go. But Mm -hmm. thanks to me right now here on this podcast, you will know which way the Federal Reserve is going to go. Powell gave a speech (laughs) 10 days ago in Jackson Jackson Hole. Yeah, right? First of all, consult your own financial advisor. Powell gave a speech 10 days ago in Jackson Hole in which he said there is going to be more pain and we're going to raise interest rates as much as we have to. Okay? Lael Brainer, Mm -hmm. the vice chair of the Fed, gave a speech yesterday in, in which she said we are going to raise rates as much as we have to. Powell made his last public appearance and set of remarks before the quiet period today. And if he was going to push back on the idea that it was going to be a three-quarters percent interest rate increase as opposed to a 50 basis point or half percent interest rate increase, today was the day he was going to do it. And he didn't do that. So that means when the Fed meets in another 10 days or so, it's going to be three-quarters of a percentage point. Mark my words. Let's play this tape back the next time that happens. I'm telling you. Three-quarters of a percent. Because Jay Jay Powell, specifically by his absence today, let the idea lie that it's going to be 75 basis points. That's what I think. Yeah. And he's been if nothing if not overly clear in his signals to the market oh, yeah. in his time. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. clear. You yes. betcha. You betcha. All right. Uh, all right. Shall we? On to some smiles. Carlos again? Yes. Okay. So here's mine. Um, mm-hmm. I am no fashionista. Let me just say. Right off the bat. That will come as a surprise to exactly zero of you. Thank you very much. I hear you chuckling in the background there, Kimberly Adams. I think you're a very smart dresser, Kai. I I can be when I need to be. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, Mm -hmm. But I bring that up because my Make Me Smile Today is a book by occasional friend of Marketplace, uh, Elizabeth Holmes. Not that Elizabeth Holmes (laughs) of of, uh, the, uh, the blood testing company that went defunct. And who's awaiting sentencing, actually, having just asked for a new mm-hmm. trial, by the way. Um, but Elizabeth Holmes, former Wall Street Journal reporter, um, now uh, an Instagram influencer, I'm going to say, with uh, a, a, a brand she has established called So Many Thoughts about royal fashion and style. And she writes really, really informatively and entertainingly on royal fashion and style. She wrote a book about, I don't know, 
But it was in the before time. So probably like three years ago, because we actually had her in person in the studio. So, okay. Well, early 2020 then, because I had her in the studios um, when we interviewed her for the book. Um, and I bring that up because not for what Princess Di wore or what Meghan Markle wore or what Catherine wore, but for the queen and how the queen used her fashion and sense of style as a tool in exercising the monarchy. Um, and it was just really interesting. And I legit learned something. And when I learn something, I like to share it. We're going to put the link on our show page. It's called HRH, uh, So Many Thoughts on Royal Style. And it's it's a really interesting and informative book. And there you go. Yeah. I'm guessing it means Her Royal Highness, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Well, we're just going like all British all the time here because my Make Me Smile is... Today's the day for it. Come on. Today's the day. day. Yeah. Yeah. So mine is also um, from the UK because a team of scientists in Oxford have a malaria vaccine that people are saying has, and I'm quoting here from the BBC article, world-changing potential. This vaccine in a trial... Um, showed that three initial doses followed by a booster a year later gave kids up to 80% protection against malaria. And this is just such a huge disease that devastates so many kids and families Mm -hmm. in in the developing world. And one of these diseases that hasn't exactly been well-funded in the past because it's a disease that affects mostly poor people. And so... Mm -hmm. This particular vaccine, the scientists say they can make and produce pretty cheaply and that they already have a deal to manufacture more than 100 million doses a year. Mm. And this really is like one of those scientific breakthroughs that could legitimately change the world. Um, And Hmm. I know there's a lot of UK news out today, but this is important, too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I should I should also note that last year, the World Health Organization did give give the go ahead for the very first vaccine to be used. But this team in Oxford says that theirs is a lot more effective Hmm. and can be manufactured much more cheaply and and get distributed. So that's exciting. Vaccines of the bomb. Vaccines of the bomb. It's the way to go. Very cool. All right. We are done uh, on a Thursday, a little bit early, but that's all right. Give you back five minutes of your time. Back tomorrow for Economics on Tap. Join us for an end-of-the-week drink on our YouTube live stream. It's uh, 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific. We'll do some news, we'll do some drinks, and uh, a round of half full, half empty, I do believe. Yes, and uh, please keep sending us your thoughts and questions. I'd be very interested to hear people's thoughts on uh, the Queen Elizabeth stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our email is makemesmart at marketplace.org. You can also leave us a message at (laughs) 508-UB-SMART. Make Me Smart is produced by Marissa Cabrera. Olivia Zhao is our intern. Today's episode was engineered by Juan Carlos Torado. Bridget Bodner is the senior producer. And Donna Tam is the director of On Demand. There you go. There you go. Today was a day, boy, I'll tell you. It really was. Today was kind of a day. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. 
I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.